0: And visit Bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
1: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Alright, everybody, it is Tuesday, December 19th, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter space. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. What's going on, everybody? I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a wonderful week. We are few days removed from the final UFC event of 2023, the final UFC pay-per-view event of the year, UFC 296, which everybody was excited about on paper. We watched the prelims and we're like, damn, this card's going to be incredible. Wait till we get to this main card. We get Josh Emmett's knockout of the year against Bryce Mitchell, I don't know if it's going to win, but it's certainly going to be on everybody's list. One of the scariest knockouts we've ever seen. We get Patty Pimblett beating Tody Ferguson. We get Shavkat Rakhmonov submitting Wonderboy Thompson in round two to become just the first fighter ever to submit Wonderboy Thompson throughout his pro career. Alexander Pantoja defends the flyweight title against Brendan Royval. To be fair, I mean, look, I I enjoyed the fight. Was it the full-out sprints, crazy fests that many of us expected? No, but Pantoja, I'll talk about Pantoja in a little bit because I actually thought he fought a supremely smart and intelligent fight and did a damn good job. So good on him. We'll see what happens with Brandon Royval. And then we get to the main event, ladies and gentlemen, the one everybody was excited for, the one that built up so much animosity throughout the week. It's the main event, the final fight of 2023 in the UFC. It is Leon Edwards defending his title against Colby Covington. And Colby makes the walk to fanfare, crowds saying you suck to the Kurt Angle WWE theme, but as a... You know, a sign of respect to some degree goes over and talks to good old 45, Donald Trump, who is sitting cage side. Trump gives him some last minute advice. Colby gets into the cage. Leon gets into the cage. And then the fight begins. And, ladies and gentlemen, as I said throughout the build to all of this, we were going to know what this fight was going to be in the first seven minutes. We would know in the first seven minutes of this fight whether Colby had a chance at all, or if Leon was just going to drop him. And we got the latter, and we knew seven minutes in. We knew I knew after the first round. So this is the first round I was over. I'm like, all right, this is what the next twenty minutes are going to be like, because Colby just didn't have anything for Leon at all, and it was, it was one of the worst performances from a title challenger I've ever seen in this sport. It was so bad. He did. I I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I was getting flashbacks of the second Kamaru Usman fight to some extent, but this one felt different. At least at the second Kamaru Usman fight, you could kind of throw it up like, Colby, just do something. Like, get cooking. Throw some volume. Just turn this into – A slugfest instead of an MMA fight. And to his credit, that's exactly what he did against Usman. Things got real close. And Colby won the last 12 minutes of that fight, in my opinion. Definitely won four and five, undoubtedly. And then definitely got some momentum swinging at the end of round three. But it just took him forever to get going. This one... There was the stance switches. Like he just didn't look comfortable in there at all. And to me, my first thought was, and I even said it on the watch party. And this is not, and let me just say this because I saw some people throw this bullshit at me. Oh, here come the, the Colby excuses. No, this is just what I saw in the moment. Colby had all of the aesthetics of a guy who was trying to hide an injury. That's what I saw initially. The stand switches, the guy didn't want to get kicked in, maybe had a knee injury or something. Like, that's what it looked like to me. A guy that's like, okay, I can't get kicked in this leg. He wasn't moving the same way. And then I did something that probably nobody else on planet Earth has done. I did it yesterday. I don't think anybody else did this. I might be the only one. I actually rewatched the fight yesterday. And let me tell you, folks. I'll save you the trouble. Don't do it. Don't go back and rewatch it. It is just as boring. <laughs> it's probably more boring the second time around because you know what happens. It's just not good. And to go back on the Colby maybe disguising an injury thing, again, this is not an excuse. You signed the dotted line. You made the choice, If you, even if he was injured, you made the choice to go in there and fight. Same thing why with Volkanovsky when he fought Makachev in October. No excuses. You can't use the short notice thing as an excuse. You signed the dotted line. You talked a bunch of noise. You said you are going to go in there and finish them. You didn't do it. You got knocked out. You can't use that as an excuse. And you can't use this as an excuse either. You can't. Even if Colby comes out and says, look, man, I've, I, I went in there with the, with the torn MCL. I don't give a shit. I don't care. This is not an excuse at all. And I ain't here to listen to it. That's just what I saw in the moment. But the second watch, golly, man. The second watch, maybe some of that, I I still saw some of the aesthetics. But again, I don't care. I'm not discrediting Leon at all. Leon went in there and won the fight, and that's it. The other thing I definitely noticed was that was a guy who was not trying to win the belts. That was a guy who was trying to not get obliterated. That was a guy that was trying not to get finished. And I think he knew after getting kicked in the leg real early on that this fight is not going to go well, and he's probably going to get knocked out. And I think he's—I think he'd do it pretty quickly. And again, was it the most fun fight of all time? No, but I compared this fight to some extent to the UFC 276 main event between Israel Adesanya and Jared Kennedy, where Jared Kennedy, all throughout the week, kept saying, "I'm going to go out there and I'm going to knock this dude's head into the third row," essentially. And what did Jared Cannonier do? He gave Israel Adesanya a spaced out kickboxing match, an at length kickboxing match. What is Izzy supposed to do in that situation? And everyone was shitting on Izzy. Oh, he's so boring. I was one of the people who defended Israel Adesanya and said, "Look, the man just handed him a win on a silver platter. What do you What do you want him to do? Not take it? Dude's the champion of the world, and the guy he's fighting who says he's gonna go in there and just..." be super aggressive and knock this dude out is giving him a range kickboxing match. Of course he's going to take that. All right. Thanks, dude. And that's exactly what happened here. Like Leon is at space waiting for Colby to do something and he's not getting it. So he's like, all right, bet. I'm just going to take the free win. And that's what he got. This fight was not competitive at all. And I saw some people like, well, Colby won the fifth round. That's all that matters. It's because Leon didn't. Leon was a little too cocky in the fifth round, honestly. He was like, oh, watch this. I'm going to take this dude down a whole bunch of times. And it backfired on him. I was surprised Leon didn't come out and try to just wreck him in round five because all the pieces were there. I think Leon could have gone out there and finished Colby Covington in the fifth round. I think if he went out there and got aggressive, I think he would have done it. I think he would have done it. If he started out and just kept kicking him in the leg and just got got real aggressive, I think he would have finished Colby in the in the fifth round. I even said on the watch party, I'm like – All right, if I'm his corner, and I'm certainly not going to pretend that I am, I'm like, all right, man, you did everything you needed to do here. You're up four rounds. Go have some fun now. Go have some fun. Put this dude away. Make him pay for everything he said. And Leon just kind of took the round off, and Colby won round five, and that's it. 49-46 across the board. Leon Edwards still the welterweight champion. I... I don't know how or if Colby can bounce back from this. I really don't. Do I think he's going to retire? No. In fact, I've been saying, you know, someone had asked me on Sunday, how will Colby be remembered after this performance? And my response, and even on the post-fight show I said this, Colby's going to be an over – It's he's going to go in the books as an overachiever And he's going to go in the books as one of the best prize fighters we've seen because the definition of prize fighting is you take the biggest name, the lowest risk,
2: and you go out and win. And anytime Colby
1: has done that, he has won. And it's led him to three title fights, being the prize fighter that he is. And what does Colby do the second he goes shows up to the press conference? gets asked a question about the performance, immediately calls out Wonderboy Thompson, which I knew he was going to do. If someone had said, who's Colby going to call at the press conference, I would have bet a floppity jillion dollars he was going to call out Wonderboy Thompson. And that's exactly what he did. And you know what? I don't blame him one bit for it. The problem is, I just don't know, after this performance, if people are going to care at all if they make this fight. Wonderboy will, will look like a hero. People will be on Team Wonderboy throughout the entire build. They'll be cheering for him in the fight. And if Wonderboy beats Colby, that's great for the Wonderboy fans. And it sets up Wonderboy still being in play to potentially get one last shot at the belt. So that, that is there. But if Colby wins, which I think many would kind of expect him to if he fights somewhere near... The guy we saw fight Mazdal or Woodley or these guys, other guys was just putting a pace on these guys. I just don't think people, like, where does he go from there? Like, I just don't know if he can come back from this. I don't know. I think people went in on the shtick. I was blown away, honestly, by how much support Colby was getting getting into this fight after that press conference. I thought he, for the most part, like, if you're looking at how to use a press conference to sell a fight. Even though Colby said some pretty terrible things. He helped this card pass the mom test. He really did. He helped pass the mom test. I was getting texts from dudes I went to high school with that I haven't talked to in like five years about this fight. Just out of nowhere. You think Colby could do it? You think this, you think that? Doesn't happen all that often when Colby fights. And then he goes out and just lays an egg. And now everyone is like, they're just done with him. Everybody's just done with Colby. And I feel like the shtick is kind of up here. I mean, the, the video of Donald Trump leaving the arena when Colby is trying to put Trump over in def- like after losing the fight, New York Rick's tweet was right on the money. The look of Donald Trump in the crowd after the fight was over. And it was, it was, I don't remember the exact caption, but it was something to the effect of, yeah, I don't really know that guy. And then Colby doubles down on the Leon comments and then he doubles down that he won the fight. I won three, four, and five. The only reason I lost because the judges hate Trump, which is absolutely ridiculous. Everybody in Las Vegas hates Trump. Meanwhile, Donald Trump comes out to a rousing standing ovation with Dana White and Kid Rock. And, you know, maybe the applause was more for Mario Lopez, a.k.a. A.C. Slater from Saved by the Bell fame. Maybe they were like, holy shit, it's A.C. Slater. Bayside High School state champ right there, baby. Maybe that's what it was, but I don't think so. And Trump just, like, left the building. He was just like, nah, I'm done with this guy.
2: I don't know if he can come back from this. I don't know if there's
1: really... Anybody that is going to want to pay money to watch him fight again. He's gotten so many chances.
2: He's gotten so many chances. You
1: have like legit guys who have done the work. Put in the work to get this opportunity to fight for the belt. And we'll talk about that in a second as well. Bilal Muhammad. and I'll definitely go in on Bilal in a moment, but. You can't tell me that Leon Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad wouldn't wouldn't have been a far better fight than what we saw on Saturday night. You can't tell me that. There's no argument that I will listen to that will tell me that Leon versus Bilal would not have been more entertaining than that fight. Hell, Leon versus Nico Price would have been more entertaining than that fight. Leon versus name like any other welterweight in the world. And that would have been a more entertaining fight. I don't know if Colby can bounce back from this. I really don't. And I've been one of the few guys who have not really defended Colby, but I've had a relationship with Colby. But i got to be real here. This was
2: awful. This was awful. It
1: was so bad. To just show up like that after you talked all that greasiness? It's bad, man. It's just so bad, and I don't think he can come back. He's certainly not getting a title fight. I don't know how the UFC really views him right now. Dana White said he looked slow and old and yeah, maybe it was the time off. Fuck all that noise. You made you guys made the choice to put him in this fight. This is what people were concerned with. I didn't think we'd see this. I didn't think it would be this bad. I there was a potential we could see a 49-46 from Leon here. But I didn't think it would be So uncompetitive for 20 minutes. I certainly didn't see that coming. And Leon gets the win, fought within himself, did a great job. Was it the most aesthetically pleasing fight we've ever seen? No, trust me. I went back and watched it a second time. It's not aesthetically pleasing the second time either. But Leon did what he needed to do. He was handed a win and he took it. He took it. And now the big question is where do we go from here? And boy, oh boy, I went back to, and listened to some old shows from like three months ago, and this all began with, man, Bilal Muhammad's never getting a title shot. It's never going to happen. Even if Leon wins, he's still going to have a hard time because Gary's coming and Shafkot's coming. He's just not going to get it. It's just never going to play out for him. It's not going to work. And if Colby wins, he's certainly, he could win 37 more fights in a row. And as long as Colby has the belt, he's not fighting for the title. And then as the build came through, we're getting closer and closer to the event. All these dominoes that separated Bilal Muhammad from a title shot all started to drop one by one. They all started to drop one by damn one by damn one. And then Saturday rolls around. And even during fight week, who had all the headlines on Monday heading into fight week? Ian Machado Gary. Ian Gary had all the headlines. He is now in play because if he goes out there and just dusted up Vicente Luque in a round or two and then cut a good promo, there is a real world where he would have jumped the line. They would have put that fight in the UK and it would have done fucking gangbusters. It would have, but Ian gets sick, has pneumonia. Now he's rebooked to fight Jeff Neal in
2: March. There's a domino that falls. Shafgat Rahmana fighting Wonderboy Thompson. Goes in there. Has an interesting first round. Not, you know, the most exciting
1: first round. Wins the round. And then he submits Wonderboy in round two. With like five seconds left in the round. First guy to ever do it. Didn't even break a sweat. And I saw so many people like, oh, Shafgat's not that good. He's boring. All that. What the hell are you talking about? The dude, Shavka Rachmanov just had a fight of the year in March. Like, he is going to be, I'll tell you right now, BTL is going to be a revelation of, like, what we did in terms of our voting for the award show. Shavka versus Jeff Neal is going to be on my top five. There's no doubt about it. That fight was insane. But now he's boring? Because he had, and then you find out after the fact, that he had a badly injured ankle heading into that fight and almost didn't fight. Nobody knew about it. Nobody knew about it until after the fight. Nobody knew. If that story was never shared, see, that's the difference. Shafkot didn't show like he was hurt at all. It makes a little more sense now, but he didn't sh- I didn't look at Shafkot at any point in that fight and say, you know what? That dude's dinged up. He's hurt. Goes out there and just runs over Wonderboy in the second round. Taps
2: him. That was another domino.
1: And then we find out about the the ankle injury. And that domino has fallen as well. So now there is nobody else. There is nobody else. Bilal Muhammad is next. Everything, for a guy that only fought once in 2023, this year has been incredible for Bilal Muhammad. It has just worked out so well. And I still see people out there saying, oh, well, he doesn't deserve it. Who else is there right now? Who else is there? Shafgat's going to be out for a hot minute. This worked out perfect. This works out great. Leon's next fight is going to be probably in the UK. He should not fight anywhere else. He should not fight at UFC 300. He should not fight in Las Vegas. He should not fight anywhere else. He should be fighting in the UK. There's rumor and innuendo, June, maybe July. They're going to go back, maybe in Manchester. There's a new arena being built. Maybe they do something there. Do Leon versus, Leon versus anybody would would be fine there. The building's going to sell out in five seconds. Give him Bilal then. Leon versus Bilal, Tommy Aspinall in the co-main event, defending the interim title against whoever, and sell that place out and let's create something cool. Shafkot's going to be out for a minute. Shafkot is next. He should not have to fight again. Let Leon and Bilal fight. If Leon loses, they ain't giving him an immediate rematch. I think we know this by now. Unless it's like a ridiculous decision and he gets absolutely hosed. And then Shafkot gets the winner. Spoiler alert for the prediction show. Coming up in a couple of weeks. 2024 is going to end with Shafkot Rachmanov as the welterweight champion. He is going to win the belt. It is going to happen. He's going to have to wait to see what happens with Leon and Bilal first. Because... We don't know the severity of the injury. I'm sure he's going to take time off, but that man should not have to fight again. The only fight that would make any sense for Shafkot is Colby. Throw him in there with Colby, let him dust Colby up, puts it over the top. But at the same token, why risk it? And will the UFC actually risk it? I see a lot of people saying that's the only fight to make. Then you could potentially run into a problem because what if Colby somehow wins? What if Colby somehow beats Shafkot? Something weird happens, a banana peel, Shafkot gets hurt in the fight. Who knows? Maybe Colby has the best fight of his life. And then what? You just knocked off a contender for a guy who's never going to fight for the belt again. So if I'm the UFC, if I'm Shafkot and his team, and he has a damn good one behind him, he ain't fighting again. Just wait it out. By the time Leon versus Bilal happens, which I think will be end of the first half of 2024, maybe the beginning of the second half, Shavka could just heal up, get ready to go. At end of the year, he fights for the title. And he will win it, more than likely, in my opinion. So we'll see what happens. Bilal should be next. You can say whatever you want. Is he the most popular fighter in the world? No. Is it the most interesting fight for Leon right now? No, it isn't. Because Shafkat versus Leon is way more, is I'm way more intrigued by that fight than I am Bilal. But Bilal deserves it. He deserves his fucking day in court at this point. Everything that needed to break for him is broken. Give the man his opportunity. And guess what? I think Leon's probably going to win that fight. Would it shock me if Bilal won? No. But I would pick Leon to win that fight. Leon looked incredible against Bilal before the eye poke happened. But Bilal has earned his opportunity. Give it to him. Let's see what happens. And even if Bilal wins and the UFC doesn't want him to win, you got to throw him in there with Shafkot next. And you got to feel pretty good about it, about Shafkot's odds in that fight too. I would pick Shafkot against anybody right now. Anybody.
2: At 170.
1: So there you go. We can talk more about this card. Some of the storylines, the aftermath, et cetera. Uh,
0: Don't miss the action live at Noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
3: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity— van 29.com
1: dot uh, Four on Sniper. Go ahead. Can you hear me, Mike? Yep, I got you. Okay,
4: Hey, good a morning. Uh, I just wanted to say, basically everything you laid out at the beginning of the show about the Leon and Kobe fight, I, I 100% agree with. Um, I was rooting for Leon heavily, and I felt like it was pretty clear that Kobe might have been dealing with something. And then also what you said about him fighting the same way in the Usman fight, but also not getting started until even later in this fight, I, I agreed with. I don't understand it. I feel like it has something to do with it as an activity, but also maybe an injury. Who knows? But um, I just wanted to ask you, uh the Carol Hosa and uh, Irene Aldana fight, that was, that was a war. And I always wondered, when you get fights like that, such a war where both ladies or men go through such damage, and it's a great fight like that, why don't we give them... as a bonus instead of $50,000. Because I see other fights on regular fight nights that don't really match up and don't compare. I could see that being, you know, in contention for Fight of the Year. So, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Thank you, sir. Uh, Man, that fight was awesome. Holy smokes. What a tremendous battle. And that just shows you uh, how chaotic 2023 is. Because outside of maybe AK, and even Casey, to some extent, talked about this. Was there anybody on planet Earth expecting an all-out slugfest, a bloody brawl between anybody at 135? No. I just, we, I mean, I, I didn't see this coming. Out of all the fights you could have picked for fight of the night, nobody was picking this one. Nobody. And boy, oh boy, not only was it fight of the night, it's one of the fights of the year. It's going to be on my list. I can tell you that right now. I don't know where I'm going to put it. I'm not going to put it at number one, but it will be in my top five somewhere. I could guarantee that that is going to be in the top five. What a, what a performance. What a war. The hospital photo is incredible. Do you give him 75K? No, but I mean, look, at the end of the day, all of these bonuses should be 75K or higher. I think we're past the 50K. We've been doing 50K for like a decade now. Inflation, baby. Let's bump that up a little bit but that fight was incredible. Unbelievable stuff, unbelievable heart, unbelievable grit from both women. Irini Aldada, geez, the poker face that woman has. Her leg looked like a candy cane. It was like rings of red looping. It was like a barbershop pole. It was crazy seeing the rings of welts around her leg. It was like perfect circles. It was insane. What a fight. What a
2: freaking fight. So glad we got that one. Cole, go ahead.
1: Not working. Uh, Cole, bounce out. We'll try again. Bounce out, bounce back in.
2: Barbarossa, do we have you? Um, Hello? I just want to ask you about uh, the
4: welterweight uh, title fight. Do you think it's uh, it's good that it was so boring that Leon can cannot call for a, a middleweight uh, champ-champ stats after that performance?
1: Thank you, Mike. I mean, I don't think he's going to call for it anyways, if we're being honest. I think he sort of dialed that back a tad. And I think he was just basically going to look at it as this is something I want to attempt in the future. But I think the way it like essentially came out was like, um, cause I think it initially he said he was going to call it Strickland or DDP, but yeah, I think he realized when he saw the reaction to it, he's like, mm, probably not good. So I don't think he was going anywhere. I don't think he was actually going to call it the middleweight champion, even if he dusted up Colby in a round. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, it doesn't hurt Bilal either way. Blah, like If Leon did call for the middleweight title, and let's just say they moved him up, Bilal's going to get an interim title fight with the chance to fight for the belt anyways down the line if Leon decides he wants to stay at 170. So, yeah, I, think, I don't think that was really a concern at all, honestly. And I'm glad he didn't do it. Boy, can you imagine the uh, the talk afterwards if Leon, after that fight, was like, yeah, man. Not only am I the best welterweight in the world, but I'm the best middleweight in the world. That would have been not good. Would have been not good. So, got it all kind of evened itself up there, and we'll see what happens next. Probably Bilal, and let's give the man his due. Uh, Cole, do we have you now? got me, Mike. Good morning. Yes, good
5: morning. So, Saturday morning before the fights, I was – kind of excited because I have a Colby Covington signed card with a piece of his glove wrap in it from the Damian Maya fight, and I was like, all right, it's time to increase this thing's value today, and (laughs) little did I know that that thing would become worthless. That thing is worthless right now, (laughs) but uh, I'm wondering if you saw what I saw with, like, even, like, Colby's last few fights, like the Usman rematch, like, the dude can't throw a punch without slipping his feet like he can't get a grip on that damn canvas but yeah i don't know the the speed difference in that first round i think Kobe noticed it and he was totally content with doing the icarly fighting stance and just gonna go five rounds with it but that's all i got thanks mike
6: yeah i
1: think i think he realized early he was at such a disadvantage on the feed and i think he realized it like even in, in the second usman fight like usman was lighten him up on the feet, dropped him at one point. Looked like maybe Usa was going to get him out of there quick, but Colby did his credit recovered. And it was like pretty clear, even for like the casual MMA fan, what Colby needed to do to get back. You just got to chuck him. Like you can't be a technical striker against a guy like that. You just got to go in there and chuck him. It's got to get grimy and filthy and nasty. And that's what Colby did against Usman. He got after it. He got after it. He just started chucking them, lots of them. And he was hitting Usman. He was winning. He turned all the momentum. It was one of those fights where you feel like, oh, if you gave him an extra two rounds, like Colby's winning that fight. He's going to win. But it was just, he just took him forever to get going. And we knew that he couldn't do that here. You couldn't let Leon pull away quick and that's exactly what he did and Colby had nothing for him nothing yeah that card is going to be a that's going to be tough or that glove is uh it's going to be a tough sell reminds me when i was collecting baseball cards i went all in on Barry Bonds early like in the early 90s i was collecting every bonds card everything and for a while it seemed like a tremendous investment <laughs> but now you know tied to steroids and all that stuff and not getting in the hall of fame those cards are worth like nothing now. It's insane. Uh, Tristan.
7: Hey, Mike. Can you hear me? Yep. Hey, um, I want to talk about uh, like you had in the open. You were talking about Shafkharakmanov, and uh, yeah, that I, you know, I got to hear the interview later with um Laura Sanko that he was dealing with a serious ankle injury, but he didn't want to pull out. The opportunity was so great, and still was able to go in there and finished the Boy, which is incredible. Uh, Mike, I, it just, what keeps coming back to me, as far as a flashback is concerned, is what, uh, when um, Kenny Florian used to work for the UFC with John Anik in that fight against uh, the Korean Zombie versus Dustin Poirier, and at the end of that broadcast, he was like, I don't think the Korean Zombie has anything but finishing moves. And it's the same thing I feel with Korean Zombie, I mean, uh, with uh, Shopka like, that dude is the welterweight, and I said this before. This guy is the welterweight prime Korean zombie, because the fact that Shaka has nothing but finishing moves. This guy can finish you anywhere, and that's what makes him the most dangerous fighter on on this weight class. Maybe in maybe in the whole UFC, it's just if you have your neck out, you, you have your neck out, and he gets like 18 choke in, he's submitting you. He we saw that we saw that he did that to Neil Magny, and then um. And then the Jeff Neal fight, I didn't, you know, nobody, that thought, that we thought that the round was going to end. He was like, nope, Bulldog choke. yeah, I submitted him with five seconds left. And he did, and it was just incredible. And I'm just like, with this guy, I mean, it, 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 he gives you something to think about. Like, if you're not careful, I mean, you got to be so careful. But if you're not careful, he could finish you at any point. So with Shafka, he's just amazing. And, Mike also wants to know if you have the same feeling with Shavkat that you have with Armin Sarukian. At at some point, this guy's gonna be champion. I mean, at some point. So I mean, that's the feeling I have. And, you know, I've been with him day one. I mean, I was I was I was concerned after that Neil Magnified That man, he got cracked. I don't know if he could he could handle that, but he showed he has a chin. That guy's a warrior, man, and he has a warrior spirit, just like uh, Benoit Saint Denis. He has a warrior spirit, so you could kind of like, all right, you know, this guy could eat a punch, and he's just going to keep coming after you and not, he's just not going to let you uh, breathe. He's just going to keep coming at you over and over again, which makes him so dangerous. So, um, you know, just your thoughts on that. And then um, as far as the Patty Pimley and Tony Ferguson fight, um, obviously Tony Ferguson, he's washed. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to say he's not durable anymore, and he's slow, and that's the problem. You know, this is not like going back those – those that 12-fight win streak. I mean, he was just incredible. He was quick. He was just doing incredible stuff. And he just – I don't know if he's come to real, realization. He's like, I can't do that anymore, man. He just – the mind might be sharp, but he just – he can't move fast. And he's just not durable anymore. So – and as far as Patty Pimler is concerned, I don't know if he could – I don't know if he could face a top 15 guy right now. I just – if he fought Jalen Turner, he might get smoked because he didn't look great either. So, just your two thoughts on what I had to say. Thanks, Mike.
1: Thank you, sir. Yeah, dude, Shafkot's winning the belt. Like he's as soon as he fights for the belt, he's winning it. I think we've. He, I'm not. I didn't rank him number one at welterweight. Uh, I think I ranked him number two. He is. He is going to win the belt. It's going to happen. So I'm just preparing for to live in a world with, where Shafka wins the belt. Did I have the, the same sense on him as I had with Sarukian? No, because I had that sense of Sarukian even before the Islamakachev fight. I'm like, damn, this dude's like 20, and he's just dusting up really good guys on the scene. And he just you could just see it. You could just see the talent in him. Shafka is just like, he's just a freak, dude. Just a freak. And it's kind of weird to to think about because like, just I I can't get over people being like, oh, Shavkot's boring, he's not that fun, overrated after that first round. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I got to thinking, I'm like, why are people thinking this way? And then I kind of realized, I'm like, do you remember when he came in, it was all about Hamzat. All the comparisons were to Hamzat Shemaev. And Hamzat is a wrecking ball. Second, second that fight starts, he is a wrecking ball. And it, to his advantage, and sometimes as we saw in the Usman fight and even the Gilbert Burns fight, to his detriment. And if Shafkot, who we compared to this guy the entire time, isn't going out there trying to dust out dudes from second one, oh, he's a boring fighter. Oh, he's not that good. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? It's insanity. Insanity. The Ferguson pinball fight. I disagree with you on one count. To say that Tony Ferguson is not durable is just not true. He's incredibly durable. Are you kidding me? The fact that he survived that first round tells you that he's durable. The guy is still really durable. He got punched with, I mean, Patty hit him with literally everything he had on that combination. And then he flush jumping knee him. And Tony went down in a heap and Patty was lighting him up, and Tony still survived the round. The guy's durability, it ain't the same. He's a little chinny now, but he's certainly durable. There aren't a lot of guys at 155 who would have survived that onslaught. It's just not, it just wouldn't have happened. Patty cracked him. And because of Tony's durability, Patty slowed down the rest of the way. It made things real interesting. Patty was tired. Patty was breathing real heavy heading into round two because he didn't finish him. But then you're right. He is a little bit slower. Reflexes aren't there. Patty was taking him down with ease. I mean, with ease. Didn't even really have to use a lot of effort to get takedowns. And as far as Patty, it was a look, it was. Did he dance over his quote unquote unconscious body? No, he didn't. Uh, But this is a good performance. This is a solid showing. This is a solid showing. We saw some improvements in his game. You know, he's still susceptible to getting absolutely cracked with his striking defense. But he fought a really smart fight. Dude dude looks like he's manning up a little bit. Looks like he put on a little muscle. He's got the cornrows now. He's feeling himself. He looked good. He looked in really good shape, so yeah. Like, is, is this a fight where we're going to go back and watch again? No, probably not. But it was a good win. Dude needed to win. He lost that fight; he was done. So he went in there do what he had to do and won. As far as what's next, I'm going to say what I said on and no, I'm going to say what I said leading into the fight. Got to give him, give him a rank guy. Give him somebody with a name. Give him somebody he could possibly beat. That's how the UFC is going to look at this. Dan Hooker is the correct answer. Now, am I saying this because I think Pat, I'm, I'm picking Patty to beat him? No, I'm not saying this. But he could beat Dan Hooker. He could. And of all the guys in the top 15 right now that I would match him up with, it's probably that. Like, you could gain the most from that. And if a, if Dan Hooker beats him, it's not like, oh, this guy sucks. It's like, dude, Dan Hooker is a dog. And like... It, 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 I just think stylistically, it's a really interesting matchup. And if Patty wins, then the UFC can just bump him up even more like to another fight. But yeah, do, do you throw him in there with Jalen Turner? Hell no. Do you throw him in there with Benoit Santini? Absolutely not. Zero chance you do that. Please don't do that. Even Patty was like, yeah, I reached out to Benoit so we could train together. Smart. Smart. Patty has, Patty has wised up a little bit over this year layoff. And I honestly thought he did a really good job all fight week too. Did a really good job. Put Tony over as a legend. Talked about the injuries. And he didn't really start going in on Tony until Tony started going in on him. And then even the way he celebrated the win. Put Tony over in a big way. Had the crowd applaud for him. Honestly, I thought Patty had a really good week. I thought he had a really good week. And we'll see what they do. Now, do Dan Hooker in the UK? Works for me. Hooker's going to be out like three or four months, at least with the hand injury or, or the arm injury. Patty says he can't do UFC 300 because he's about to be a dad. Understandable. Let's push it back two, three months. UK, whenever they put that card together. Patty versus Dan Hooker. Let's do it. That's the one I like. Let's go to Boston. Brett.
6: Yeah, Mike Heck. How are you, my friend? How's everything Brett, going? How are you, brother? Good, man. Good, good. Hey, um, I, I, I'm, I'm listening to some of the previous callers, and, and a couple of names uh, come up, and I, I hear your boy, on Sarukian. So my question to you when it comes to him, I have so many questions for you. But my question to you about him is, are we going to see Sarukian versus Makachev, like the end of 2024? That, that's my first uh, question for you. Second, no matter, not, not a question, but not so much a question, but Drikas Duplassi, man, ever since his first UFC fight night, uh, with the interview, how he handled himself as a professional. I, I've been all little over that bandwagon, and, and, and I looked all of his previous fights before. He's like not the greatest at one thing, but that guy, he can fight. And and I think he's going to get down and dirty with Strickland, and I, I think he beats him. And I think he's going to be the next champion in that weight division. I, 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 I see it. I don't know. But, uh, I think Bilal is 100% your next, uh, contender to fight in England with, uh, Leon Edwards. You can, like you said, with Aspinall, you can put Patty on that. You can make a bomb, bomb card there. And, uh, I just want to, uh, shout out for, uh, the, the, the extra fights they put on UFC 299. I mean, some phenomenal fights with Gary and Neil. And my favorite one's going to be Peter Yan and Dong Song, man. Those are going to be brawlers, man. And, uh, Mike, it's uh, always uh, good to hear uh, your opinions on everything, and congratulations where you are, and uh, I'll talk to you soon, brother.
1: Thanks, man. Yeah, don't forget, Dana White casually threw out that Michael Venom Page has signed with the UFC. He's going to fight Kevin Holland on that card as well. So, yeah, that Miami card's looking real good. 299's got that 199 feel heading into the historic next event with the the two-rounded numbers. So I'm. I mean, we're seeing some of these really fun fights getting put together. Like, what is three hundred gonna look like? That was like my first cons- my first thought. I was like, man, two ninety nine is real good, but what's like, what are they have planned for three hundred if they're putting all these crazy ass fights together? So, uh, let's see. Yeah, Leon Bilal has to be the fight at this point. Try to like unpack everything here. Uh, The DDP thing, so let's talk about that a little bit because that honestly, DDP was one half of the biggest story of the entire weekend. He was one half of the biggest story. The biggest takeaway from UFC 296 had nothing to do with UFC 296. It was that Sean Strickland and Drickus who were about to fight in the main event of UFC 297 coming off of... Just a pretty awful press conference, if we're being honest, with the going back and forth and, you know, DDP saying some pretty heinous shit too. Strickland saying some pretty heinous shit back. Not good. And then fucking Dana White, man. How, like, how could you put these guys so close to each other? It was so funny, like, going back and rewatching moments of the watch party on Saturday, because, like, when the watch parties end, I have to go back through. And, like, put the timestamps in so that, you know, look, that was a long main card. It was, like, four, almost four hours long at the end of it. It was, a, it was a long one. It was, like, three three hours, three and a half, 345, whatever. And I remember, like, they're doing everything. And I'm, like, they show Strickland. They show DDP two rows behind them. I'm, like, what are they doing? I'm, like, they really sat these guys too, so close together? I'm like, these guys are about to start punching each other. And GC's like, nah, man, they're too professional for that. And then like a minute and a half later, everyone's – I got texts. People hit me up on social media. Dude, DDP and Strickland just got into a fight. I'm like, oh, my God. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. You can't. First of all, you can't be doing that shit. You just can't. Like you're not – you are fighters as a profession. But when you are in the crowd at, attending an event, you're not fighters anymore. You are just members of the public. You're fans to some degree. Now credit to Strickland to some extent for at least telling Gilbert Burns' kids to get out of the way while he supermanned and Sonic the Hedgehog over two rows of chairs to start punching Dracus Duplessis. And I'll tell you what the most interesting thing about that is. There's about 30 different angles of that fight that I've seen and all of them look different all of them look different some angles look like Sean Strickland's getting the best of him there's angles that look like GDP like obliterated Sean and maybe like knocked him out like there's depending on which angle you watch you can get almost a different interpretation of the fight but yeah the two, we knew that fight was going to be insane now it's going to be like ridiculous the build to this one's going to be pretty awful it's just going to get worse between those two guys and I even said it, and it's, despite some of the things he said that I didn't like, I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, if you're, you're wrong if you don't like it and all that bullshit, but here's the thing. Sean Strickland was the biggest winner of UFC 296. Hands down, he was the biggest winner because he is going to get pay-per-view points for UFC 297, and that fight is going to do a lot better on pay-per-view now than it was going to do come Thursday, this past Thursday. And the UFC, you bet your bippy, they're going to use that footage on every promotional video. In fact, they Ryan Seacrested their own footage of it. John Anik threw we're going to show you all the footage of this fight that happened in the crowd between two of our professional athletes. Coming up later on tonight. So stay tuned, everybody. I was like, what the fuck? Really? Oh, we, this is abhorrent. We do not support this. You can't have this happening. People think we love this shit. But then we have to deal with the commission and all that. And then like five minutes later, don't go anywhere, everybody. We're going to show you this HD 4K footage of, <laughs> of Strickland Strickland fighting in the crowd. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And no one's going to get punished. And I, whatever. I mean, I, I've come to accept all of this at this point. And Sean Strickland's going to make a whole bunch more money now. It's insane. But yeah, that fight's going to be freaking bananas.
0: The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov, and Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Dumbay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
1: A.K. my best friend
5: i saw the bat signal hello my best friend hello uh, as usual i don't want to take too much time away from the from the real people from the actual listeners of on to the next one so uh but i have to comment on the strickland uh, ddp brawl if it's coming up I, I will be at ufc 297 of course it's in toronto it's been my in my backyard in my hood as it were, so I'll be there. So I have a lot, I have a lot of thoughts on it. And, and I was looking forward to this fight already and, and the co-main, the Man of Bueno Silva, Raquel Pennington fights. I, I think the card looks good. I'm very excited about the card. Um, but I do think the main event got some extra juice for sure. And my best friend, do you think... I I rarely have ever called anything in combat sports like completely staged. We could maybe say this was arranged, but it felt very pro-wrestling-y. Uh, once you break everything down, so I don't want to say everyone was in on it. Maybe DDP was in on it. Maybe some of the security was in on it. But it felt so. It felt like a segment from like early to, late '90s, early 2000s Monday Night Raw or something. Because let me let me just break it down real quick. So you you you, you were explaining it's in between the prelims and the main card. So perfect timing for these kind of shenanigans. Uh, Ariel was talking with us and, uh, and MaR as well. How convenient. You know we have that lull and then it and then it, that moment happens. The way they showed it was they sh- they were like oh here's Sean Strickland here's DDP they're jawing at each other they had them on camera for like maybe I don't know whatever 30 45 seconds and then they cut away when it just when it starts getting interesting you can see kind of Sean Strickland react they cut away and I'm like okay that's weird like th- you think they'd let that cook a little bit more uh, and within moments Joe Rogan suddenly on the broadcast saying whoa something just went down it looks like DDP and Strickland just fought and then we're all very intrigued it's like ooh it's this this is the mystery of the unknown now it's like whoa wow what happened very quickly. Uh, it goes viral, like you said. People messaging you, all these videos popping on Twitter from from the bleachers, from people who are vaguely in the area. You're getting fighter reactions. You're getting all this stuff. So it was it went viral in a very organic way than if uh, better than if they had like tried to make it go viral themselves. So that was really smart. I, I do think that was in purpose. Strickland is very quickly ejected, uh, which again felt a little too convenient for me at the time. Uh, and then later, yes, they do the Ryan Seacrest, the the stay tuned. They they show the footage, they put it out in social media, they put out their own HD clip. So they were there the whole time. Obviously, the cameraman right there recording the whole thing. So you got all the grainy footage earlier in the evening, and then later you get that perfect crisp footage, uh, plus an interview with Megan Levy. Uh, if you, I I don't think they did it on the U.S. account, but on the the UFC Canada account, that that it was a longer clip. They show the brawl, and then right away go into a video with. uh, DDP talking to Megan Olivey. So it was all very very well put together. And again, it's a credit to the UFC production team like that they can do this stuff so quickly, but I also feel like there's some planning there. Uh Dana White taking the bullet for it after I'm the, you know, on the a-hole put them next to each other. Yeah, I, I I I don't think that's an accident. I think you can just say like you and you have to say you didn't do it on purpose, but you did. And Mike the punches. You got a good look at the video, right? I did. The punches were very pro wrestling brawl punches, were Didn't you see that you pull the guy's head into your chest and you're throwing these kind of like very showy, like you're punching the back and shoulder. And I get it. That's how a real fight goes sometimes too. Like I know I'm 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 stretching here because that's how a real fight goes sometimes too. Two guys, especially in a brawl, is just one guy charges the other and the other guy's trying to punch him and you can't really get a good shot in. That's also how a pro wrestling fight would be booked. You see the pull away like, oh, my gosh, don't Cold Steve Austin and, and Triple H are going at each other. The referee is trying to pull them away and they can't really hit each other. It just looked very phony. And uh, again, I, far be it for me to accuse any of the parties involved or the finest judgment of the UFC of, of staging such an act. But if anyone is out there crying conspiracy, crying again, pro wrestling, crying fake. I think they have a case. I think they have a case. And it all worked. It, it all worked. It all worked. <laughs> I'm, more, I'm more interested. I guarantee the general populace is more interested in the fight and uh, and that footage. Again, you said they were going to use it. They, they use it the night of, right? It's not the Conor McGregor Dolly thing. Like, oh my gosh, we're so ashamed. It's like, nope, here it is. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Let's show it. So I thought it was staged, but that's just that's purely me out in a limb here. I get it. Uh, I would love
1: to know what other people think, though. Thank you, my best friend. Yeah, I mean, look, you got a case. You got a case. Do I think like everybody was in on it? Do I think this was like all of them in Dana's office together saying, all right, no, nah, this is how we get this is how we're gonna do it? You think there was like a road agent involved? No. But you're telling me that and I know how meticulous and how well-oiled a machine the UFC is. Right? I've covered enough events. I know so many incredible people who work for the UFC who are part of the organization behind the scenes. How do you look at the seating chart and think that this is a good idea? Like, this, is, this isn't this something you miss, right? This isn't something you miss. And if someone, Dana's assistant or whatever, is looking at the seating chart, especially after that press conference on Friday, like, how could you say, like, you know, this is a great idea. Let's put these guys within arm's reach of each other. That's a great idea. Nothing's going to happen. What did you think was going to happen? I knew they were going to fight the second they were shown on television. As soon as Strickland did the whole gun thing, I was like, these dudes are about to start punching each other in the face. And that's what happened. Of course they knew this was going to happen. And of course, Dane has got to take the thing. Look, Dane is very smart. I, he, he went on the NELF Boys. They asked him straight up, who does the seating charts? He said, I do. Dana put these guys together and didn't realize after that press conference, yeah, maybe it's not a good idea. Maybe we should just put TDP on the other side of the building. What are we doing? It's insane. So, yes, to some degree, I don't think it's like a choreographed fight. I don't think it's a pro wrestling fight. But there's no way that everybody didn't know that they were going to start fighting each other. That's why they put them in the position they were at. Even if they didn't have that press conference, you're going to put Sean Strickland within two rows of his upcoming opponents?
2: Really? He would have done the same thing if it was Izzy. Two rows behind him. He would have done the same thing. Sean
1: is who he is. It was crazy. No. Do I think it was like choreographed stage and fake? No. Do I think the UFC... Kept the seating where it needed to be for a reason to have a moment? Yes, I do. And look, today's UFC, that shit works. That shit works. Ain't for everybody. But again, that passed the mom test. I got texts from people saying, oh, did you see DDP and Strickland fight in the crowd? Uh, Yeah, we all have. It was crazy. But... Yeah, of course. Stage, no. Hope that it happened, yes. And it worked out perfectly. No one got hurt, really. Strickland looked like he was get—he was a little wobbly standing back up. I don't know if it was just all that or, or whatnot, but there, again, you watch that fight, you watch that little skirmish from a whole bunch of different angles, it looks different in every single one of them. Like, there's angles where it looks like Sean just hits him a bunch. Then there's angles that look like DDP drops them and gets on top of them. It's just it's so interesting to watch. It's craziness. And that pay-per-view just got a whole bunch more interesting. Uh, JSAT,
7: go ahead. Hello, Mike. Heck of a morning. Um, In your opinion, since UFC 299, so spec, what are your expectations for UFC 300 or any surprises? Maybe Brock Lesnar. I doubt that. Maybe Ronda.
2: Well, yeah, that'd be it.
1: Mm. I mean, I feel pretty good that it's going to be Connor versus Chandler. Like, I mean, again, this is like no insight because you never know with Connor to begin with, but it just seems like we're probably going to get that now. And the way Connor pay per views typically work, like, we'll put some good, some decent stuff on it. But with Connor at the top, you don't need to go absolutely insane with stacking it. What kind of surprises are we going to get? Um, uh, Maybe Ronda, but I don't think so. Honestly, I don't know. I have no idea what they're going to do. At this point, like it's all speculation, and every week that goes by, I, I keep thinking about it more and more. I think you have to do Misha Tate-Holly Holm on that card if, if, if you can't get Ronda. I know Misha's been on Instagram stories, like, you know, reacting to fans, talking about potentially making that fight. But if you can't make that, you gotta do Misha versus Holly. That'd be a really good one. And then let's kind of see how it all plays out. Like, I think once it starts to come together, we'll be like, alright, this is pretty cool. Will we get Alex Pereira on the card? Maybe we get Zhang Wei Lee on the card. Maybe they do Jan ver- Zhang versus Jan. Apparently, Jan and Alexa Grasso have been going back and forth a little bit, like, in a, in a respectful way. about maybe fighting for the Flyway title, which honestly I don't want to see. I mean, I'd be a little bit intrigued by it, but if there's one division that doesn't need anybody moving up, it's 125. It's 125. There's so many fights for Alexa Grasso right now. There's the Shevchenko Trilogy. There's Jean Zhao nan Not Yan Zhao nan uh, Just 125 is just loaded right now. Man and Fioro, Aaron Blanchfield, etc., Getting the two divisions confused. And then Zhang has Jan. she got Tatiana Suarez, who's fighting Amanda Lemos. Like, they both have a line of con- competitors behind them right now. So, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I'd be stunned if Connor and Chandler is not headlining that card, but I think we're all going to be kind of surprised together. Jim Miller will certainly be on UFC 300. I know he's got a fight booked, but he will certainly be fighting UFC 300. They just pull him from his fight and just make sure he's definitely there. But I think Jim Miller will still be there. So it's going to be a fun little game to try to figure out what they're going to do and then see it all play out. Uh, Carl the Butcher. Hey, man. I'm listening from England.
0: I just want to ask. Ariane Lipsky, she's a 3, three fight winning streak now. Is it time to uh, hype her up for you know some big matchup in, in the coming year?
1: Thank you, dude. She looked great. Uh, I've said it a few times. The under-the-radar slash low-key MVP of UFC 296 was Ariane Lipsky. She was awesome. She beat the hell out of Casey O'Neill. I didn't see that coming. Did not see that coming, but boy, she looked, she looked great. She looked great. She's just cracking Casey. She hurt her a whole bunch. She hurt her real quick in the fight and Casey never could get going. She's, she's found her stride. She's found her stride. So she's going to be somebody to watch this year for sure. For sure. I think she's uh, officially in the rankings now as she should be. AK and I had a friends forever moment on to the next one. Give her do her and Tracy Cortez. That's the fight. Do it in Mexico City. If she, if uh, can turn around in a couple months and wants to fight a top ten fighter, I think Cortez is ranked in the top ten in the FC rankings. Let me just double check. Uh, nope, she's number eleven, and is number twelve. Isn't that a coincidence?
2: Yeah. If Lipsky can turn around
1: for Mexico City, do that. Let's go, her and Cortez, and go from there, dude. This division's so fun. Grasso's champ, Shevchenko, That trilogy fight's going to be interesting. Blanchfield is the uncrowned champion, in my opinion. Manon Fioro, super good. is still there, fight, about to fight Macy Barber. Macy Barber's looked incredible. Jessica Andrade looked real good against in, in her last fight. Lauren Murphy's fighting Karine Silva at UFC 299. Araujo. We got Amanda Hibas. Uh, Araujo's fighting Natty Ice. Is she not? Is that the fight they made? I'm pretty sure that's what they made. Yeah, dude. Natty Ice is so fun. She's another one that's on the way up. Yes, they're fighting February 3rd. Natty Ice versus uh, Viviani Araujo. Then you got uh, Cortez, Lipsky, Silva, O'Neal, and Andrea Lee. Fun division. Fun division. Let's go to Dylan. Hello, Dylan. Hey, what's up, Mike? Can you hear me?
0: Yes. Hey man. I was just curious. I I heard you the last part of the diatribe this morning, so I don't wanna I don't wanna piss you off or anything, but with Dana White's like timidness to commit to Bilal at the press conference, do you think, like, the biggest loser this weekend was Ian Gary? Because I think if he could have gone out there and just kind of finish on Luke Gay, they would have made something in, like, London with him and Leon. And uh, that would have been, like, gangbusters. But also, another quick question. Is the UFC in
1: its
8: attitude error right now?
1: <laughs> That's all. Thanks. I mean, that... That's an interesting way to look at it. I mean, they're really leaning into this say whatever you want with no repercussions, fighting in the crowd stuff. And they're like embracing it behind the scenes, I think. Like, it's just what it seems like to me. Uh, Yeah, this is very attitude era ish. As, you know, AK kind of pointed that out as well. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Cause they don't need to do any of this, by the way. Like none of this needs needs to happen. Right? Like for most of us, Colby saying what he said to Leon at the press conference, like did nothing for us, and it did nothing to really enhance the fight. Like we just wanted to see the fight. It certainly helped the paper sales, but but let's let's be honest too. Colby did nothing for himself with that. He just gave Leon a whole bunch more money because Leon's getting the pay-per-view points because he's the champion in the main event. You know what I mean? I don't know how Col- I don't think Colby got any pay-per-view points. I'd be shocked if he did. So he didn't really even help himself in, in any way. And it, it, just, it just didn't need to happen. So yeah, it's kind of attitude error-ish. You do make a good point about Ian Gary, because. If he just went out, again, if he went out there and dusted up Vicente Luque, they might have just given him the title shot. Like, they, they could have just given it to him. If he had gone to media day, and went to the press conference, and dealt with all of that, because he would have been the talking point of the entire press conference. Everybody would have taken a shot at him. Both champion and challenger would have went in on him. Ian would have fired back at both of them. He would have been the talk of the press conference. But he got sick, and now Bal, again, that's another domino that needed to fall. Ian Gary was 100% a domino that was in Bilal's way. And then it fell once he was sick. So, yeah. Was he the biggest loser of the weekend? No. I don't think so. But, I mean, look, look, Ian's said the same thing for a while. He wants, he's got a plan mapped out. I want to win... X amount of fights, then fight for the belts. So I think it just kind of keeps him on track. And now he's going to fight Jeff Neal, and we'll see how he does. I'm I'm more intrigued by the Neal fight for some reason than I was the Luke A fight. Like, I like the Luke A fight too, but there's something about Jeff, and Jeff's real good at stepping up when it counts. When those moments matter and he needs to win, Jeff's really good at that. He's really good at that. So it's an interesting fight. It's an interesting fight. It slows Gary's title run down slightly, but I think he's okay with that. So, yeah. I think he'll be okay. Uh, so, all right, we got YMVZ, then we'll take Ani, then we'll take Nicholas, and then we got to go. YMVZ, go ahead.
5: Hey, Mike. Heck of a morning. Uh, just a quick question. I'm not sure if you touched on this or not. Um,
1: where does, uh, Josh Emmett go from here? He
5: had a pretty, you know, solid win over Bryce. I just wanted to get your thoughts on who should get matched up with him next. Would it be like a Arnold Allen or a Brian Ortega? Um, wanted to get your thoughts on that. Uh, that's all. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks, buddy. Uh, no and no. Uh, Arnold Allen is booked against Bob Zaravloyov, so that's not going to happen. Um, Brian Ortega, it appears he's going to fight Yair Rodriguez. It's just a matter of when. Could they? Could it headline Mexico City? Possibly. But there's talk about maybe doing it on the February pay-per-view as well, since the featherweight title is going to be on the line. So maybe you can do it there. I don't know, but I kind of feel like that fight's going to happen. This one was easy. I think uh, I think this is a friends for everyone, for AK and I. But uh, it's five syllables. Edson Barboza. That is the fight. Josh Emmett versus Edson Barboza. Sign me up. Let's party. Fight's going to be a banger.
2: Uh, Ani, go
1: ahead. Wonderful.
9: So um, a few things. Uh, so leading up into Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington, like I'm not a very big analyst, you see, as in, in terms of the technical details of a fight, but there was one thing um, based on my observations and like both of their previous fights that I concluded that whoever moves forward wins the fight that's how the fight is going to go there's no chance in hell that uh it does not go to a decision and and i think that's how the flight the fight played out don't you think so when Colby shot for takedowns uh when he really committed to those shots he was successful and he was moving forward then so and another thing that uh uh, another reason why i feel bilal's Uh, Bilal could be an intriguing matchup is I think he has improved in terms of pressuring his opponents and Leon tends to get outworked quite easily. Um, I I think that's why Bilal might be intriguing but I just can't see that being the main event of a pay-per-view, Mike. I just can't. I can't. So if they were to do uh, a card in the UK, or you know, not just London. Maybe Manchester, or I'll be lucky if they do it in Cardiff because I'll, I'm I'm in Cardiff, and they have a Prince and they have Principality Stadium over here, which is an indoor stadium. Like, so you can cover it up. There won't be any rain. I don't understand. I I remember ranting about this the last time. Uh, like, why didn't Dana White look at Principality Stadium? Uh, we had WWE Clash at the castle over here. So I think it will be nice to have Tom Aspinall versus Cyril Ghan as the main event, Leon Edwards versus Bilal Mohammed as the co-main, uh, Arnold Lallon versus Josh Ahmed, uh, Patrick Pemblet versus Bobby Green, and then uh, you can also have Molly McCann versus uh, Michelle, Michelle Waterson Gomez. I know like most of them are doodos, but I'm just... Uh, coming up with uh, a hypothetical card just let give me your thoughts and of course the featured prelim you're gonna like this one the featured prelim on ESPN plus will be Davy Grant versus Brian Kelleher. How about that? Like that that's a good one, isn't it? And I also wanted to just quickly mention the flyweight division. Um, you know like uh, there was a time when the flyweight division was like they were thinking of getting rid of the division and we were there for the you know rejuvenation of this division. We saw those Davis and Figueredo versus uh, Brandon Moreno, those matchups. So I think Davis and Figueredo needs a lot of credit for this. So does Brandon Moreno. It's just nice that the division is getting uh, the shine. Um, that's all I have, Mike. Give me your thoughts on those cards, like seeing that AK is over here. Maybe he can react as well. I know he doesn't want to chime in. Thanks, buddy.
1: Um, I don't know. I I don't know if I agree with the, I mean, a a few things that you said there. Um, I didn't necessarily agree with the moving forward thing. Because I think Leon was ready for Colby to move forward. And I think he's just going to counter him. So it's just kind of a standstill for, for a lot. And like I said, like Leon got a fight gifted to him by Colby. He saw what Colby was going to do, and he was just like, you're going to do this? Okay. I'll stand there and just kick you in the leg and counter any random punch you throw. And that's what it is. To say Leon versus Bilal is not the main event in Manchester is just wrong. They're not going to... Leon is a bigger star than Tom Aspinall all over there. It just is what it is. Leon is the face of MMA right now over there, Uh, whether you like his style of fighting or not. Not saying that Tom can't get to where Leon is at right now, but Leon's the guy. Leon is the dude over there. And that's why a lot of this broke well, and that's why a lot of this, as we were getting closer to the fight, I'm like, if Leon wins, I do think Bilal's going to get it because they are going to have Leon's next fight, at least in my estimation. In the UK somewhere. And Leon, it doesn't matter who he fights. It really doesn't. Guys, you have to understand that at this point in the UFC's run, that pay-per-view can do a hundred buys or a billion buys. And it's just all cherry on top of the Sunday. Because the UFC's getting a whole bunch. They're getting millions and millions of dollars from ESPN just to have their cards on their network. Like, doesn't matter what it does on pay-per-view. What matters more, I think, at least right now, is let's sell the damn tickets. That's why the tickets are so friggin' expensive. They're making so much money, and that, that is going to sell out. Leon being a main event against anybody is going to sell that building out. Just It, it is what it is. And now you throw Tom Aspinall, interim title, co-main event... That thing's going to sell out like crazy. So, Patty being on the card would make a lot of sense. Molly, maybe. The one that I, like, kind of was, like, a little shocked at was, uh, what did Brian Kelleher ever do to you? You want to throw, after getting iced by Garbrandt, you want to throw him in there with Davey Grant? Come on, man. What did Brian Kelleher ever do to you?
2: I'm just playing, but you know what I'm trying to say.
1: But, yeah, Leon's going to headline. We won't be asked at all. And that's that. And it's going to sell out. And UFC going to make a shitload of money. And that's it. Ball's going to get his day in court. And
2: we'll see if he can play spoiler.
1: We're we'll trying to get Nicholas in. He usually has a tough time getting through. So we'll give it the old college try. I, I got two other people waiting. Uh, this needs to be the rapidest of rapid fire. Yep. Didn't go through. All right. Four quarter sports like real quick. Uh, and I'll get to clay also real quick. Go ahead.
10: Hey, Hey Mike. So the Colmey event, I felt like the way that Brandon Royville ended up fighting, you know, he should have fought what got him all the way to the, to the dance. And, um, I I looked at a stat Mark Montoya in the last two weeks. His, um, he has gone and four. Um, while his fighters have been inside the octagon, obviously started with, um, Anthony Smith to, um, I forgot who was the other person that but, uh, anyways, Paris. yeah, yeah, he he was 0-2 in the previous week, 0-2 in this week. Um, I don't know what it, what it is, why they ended up having him contain so much against Alexandria, um, Pantoja, he was clearly winning the fifth round. Um, do you feel that what's it called in his next fight he's gonna go back to being the chaotic Brandon Royval? And with that performance, how far back did he push himself to getting up another title shot? Uh,
1: not too far. I think he's just gonna be fine. It's just Pinto's just a really tough fight for him. Stylistically, it's not favor him because even if he was reckless and chaotic, which I do agree with you to some extent he probably could have done and probably had some more success. He's probably still going to lose that fight. Uh, Pantoja just was ready for everything this dude threw. And Pantoja was able to get it to the ground. And that's how you slow Royval down. Because even if he just got a little bananas in there, Royval, I mean, Pantoja would just would have done the same thing. So maybe it was a little bit to his detriment, but I honestly feel that fight goes the same way regardless. It's just not a good fight for him. And I think, you know, now we do, for me... It's pretty clear what's next for Pantoja. They'll do Moreno-Albazi, winner of that fight, gets the title shot. And you do Roybal versus Benel Cop next. That's the one. That's the fight. I know Cop's booked against Nicolao. Win or lose, do Cop versus Royval. There's no way that fight isn't the bee's knees, my friends. I wanted Kopp, I, wanted, uh, I think I wanted Manel Cop Tyson-Nam at one point, like when Manel just got into the UFC. That's the one. And now we're beyond that, obviously. So now we need to do cop versus Royval, And if cop wins, then he gets his title shot. There you go. Easy peasy. All right, Clay, you have the final word.
8: Hello, Mike. Good morning to you. Uh, I'm not sure if you have talked about this topic earlier in this in this uh, space, but I'm a little bit critical of Leon Edwards' performance, and uh, he could have done done much better, man. I mean, we all know Leon Edwards is much better than this. We we saw what uh, what happened in the like the the second Usman fight and the third Usman fight, so he clearly can be more better than what he did last night, and I don't think he did the thing. As you you guys say, and he he's poised for his post, 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 uh, press conference. It was like bad. He didn't he kind of dismissed Bilal Muhammad. he had a he had a chance to shut him up once and for all because, you know, Bilal, Bilal is not the most beloved guy in the sport, and he can' gain popularities by beating him. I don't know, man. I mean, I think he kind of didn't do what he was supposed to do, and he was like coasting. He did basically like Israel Adesanya was doing in his last previous fights, like Israel. What what Israel did against Jared Cannonier, what Israel did against Marvin Vittori, or uh, Uel Romero. That, that that was the kind of performance that I saw from Leon last uh, the other night. Thank you.
1: Yeah, look, I get it. I get why people feel that way, but again. I, and as I did when Izzy fought Canoneer. I will defend Leon Edwards in the situation, just like I defended Israel Adesanya in the situation. It is not up to the champion to dictate the pacing of the fight. It is up to the challenger to dictate the pacing of the fight, and then the champion reacts. Jerry Canonier all week long, and any pundit who broke that fight down said all build long that Canadier's best chance to win was to be super aggressive and try to go for a quick knock That was his best chance of beating Israel Adesanya. Otherwise, he's just going to get kicked a whole bunch and punched a whole bunch. It's not going to be that great. Izzy is also expecting Jared Cannonier to be much more aggressive. And then what does Cannonier do? He comes out and does a. his, his strategy is to have a range kickboxing match with Israel Adesanya. And Izzy's like, um, this can't be real, but if you're just going to hand me a win, then I'm going to take it. And that's what happened here. I think Leon expected Colby to be much more aggressive. Colby said a lot of things. We knew Colby's best chance to win was pressure and pace and to get off to a good start. And Colby didn't do that. Leon was just like, you're going to make, this is the fight I'm getting? Sure. Because you have to put yourself in Leon's shoes. If Leon loses that title, he's probably not getting another shot. Like, I think, I, I think we can all agree on that. The FCC is obviously UK value in Leon, but they don't look at Leon like he's a massive superstar for their company as a whole. So if Leon loses that title, he's probably not getting another shot. So Or it's going to take him, he's going to have a road back. He ain't just going to have to win one and get a shot back. He's going to have to win like two or three. So if you're Leon, you take what they give you. If Colby's just going to hand him a win on a silver platter with, I mean, Leon didn't break a sweat. He had the easiest fight of his life in a title fight. It was the, one of the easiest fights of his career. Now, to one thing, and I even said this on the watch party, and I mentioned this earlier, I kind of felt Leon probably should have came out in the fifth round and tried to finish Colby, and I think he would have had he had that aggressive style to him. Like, if I was just, like, the hype man in the corner, i had been like, dude, you're at four rounds. You haven't even broken a sweat. Colby's got nothing for you. Just go kill this guy now. Go have some fun. Go have fun with him. But his version of fun was, watch watch me out-wrestle Colby. I'm just going to take him down three or four times, and then Colby got on top, and Leon just kind of laid on his back and just let Colby lay on him, took the round off, and won the fight. So I don't really blame him for that. I don't really blame him for that. I mean, literally he was handed a championship win on a silver platter. Take it, bro. You take it. Blah will be interesting. I think that's the fight. And then we get Shafkot. I am. I'm with you on the not doing the thing, but at the same token, Leon doesn't really need to do the thing. I just thought like, I don't know. His, his, I get both sides of it. I would like to see him just be more interesting in general,
2: but that's just not who he is. He's just not that that dude. So I don't know. No sold Bilal, no sold Shafqat,
1: and Leon doesn't really give a shit. Like whoever they ask him to fight, he'll just fight. He's not gonna. If they offer him Bilal, he's not gonna say, "Well, let's see what happens." No. I don't know. Maybe he waits for Ian Gary to see what he does against Jeff Neal. Maybe he waits for that. I don't know. But that would be friggin' insane. Can you imagine if Ian Gary, after everything he just went through, fights three months later and then gets the title shot over Bilal? Oh, my God. Twitter will be on another planet at that point. So, yeah. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. All right, we are done. Thank you very much. I appreciate all of you. Uh, busy week ahead. We will, uh, I believe, a ranking. The ranking show is out on the podcast network uh, for the updated ranking cycle. I assume we will have an airing of grievances episode coming up at some point, which I'm very excited about. And there's a lot of other stuffs going on. BTL will be an award show pre like a MMA fighting awards preview to some extent because those awards are going to stop popping out I think uh, next Monday I think on Christmas is when the first one's going to drop so stay tuned for that Uh, we'll have an award show we'll have all sorts of craziness all the prediction stuff on to the next one is going to be a blast heading into 2024 as far as this show goes I'm not really sure what's going to happen maybe if uh, my best friend wants to host for a little bit No problem there. Uh, After Friday, uh, I'm actually off for the rest of the year and into like a few days of 2024. Like there's certain things I'm going to do. Jed and I will still do our promotional airing of grievances, BTL edition. So stay tuned for that. The content is going to be coming fast and furious is what I'm trying to say. So stick with us at mafighting.com. It's a tremendous website and you are all tremendous people. So we'll be back here on Thursday. We'll have some fun right around 10 a.m. Eastern. But until then, everybody, have a great Tuesday and have a heck of a morning, everyone.